Hi everyone, and welcome to my sauntering podcast. My name is Paul White, and I live in a gorgeous place called Weymouth. And this podcast is a collection of saunters that were born in lockdown, but it's also got some additional stuff which is just fresh, hot off the press. praying that you'll be really blessed and that God will speak into your heart as we take this journey together. So please go ahead and hit the subscribe button to keep updated with the very latest sauntering podcasts. Good morning saunterers and welcome to another blustery blowy wet Weymouth. Um, But here we go we're sauntering in the sunny pages of the Bible. <laughs> I've said that before, so it's not original, but there we go. We're doing it again today. Um, so Lord Jesus, we give this day to you, Lord, and we thank you for it. And we thank you for all the things that you're planning to do today in our lives and through us. And so Lord, we want to make ourselves available and to say, here we are, use us, take hold of us, Lord, fill us with your spirit, empower us in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, Kathy. So we're on Genesis 46 today. And if you remember yesterday, we had the very beautiful story of Joseph revealing himself to his brothers and that incredibly emotional, dramatic high point. Thank you, Kathy. Um, and he and this is just the now the sort of kind of bringing together of all the whole story in the wrapping of it up. So Israel, that's Jacob, Joseph's dad, took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. So remember Joseph and Pharaoh had both um, given Jacob the most powerful and warm invitation to come to Egypt and live in the most beautiful part of the land bring all their fam bring all his family bring all their livestock pasture them in goshen which turns out to have been the most well it appears to be the fat of the land according to pharaoh and so this is an incredibly powerful invitation and jacob is going to go along with it i'm just going to turn that slightly right so and he's respond but he, he there's some reticence perhaps in his heart and so he comes to Beersheba en route, and this is a place, the well of the oath, and um, he offers sacrifices to God of his father Isaac. And he's part of a continuum, part of a story that's unfolding, and now his life is living out this story, and he's connecting again with God and just trying to get his directions from heaven thanks Fran God bless you hi Sarah and so God spoke to Israel in visions of the night and said Jacob Jacob it's interesting that God's calling him Jacob after naming him Israel but he's calling him Jacob Jacob and he said here I am and then he said I am God 
the God of your father, do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for there I will make you into a great nation. I myself will go with you to Egypt, and I will also bring you up again, and Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. And this is a great encouragement to Jacob. He's been buffeted, hasn't he? He's had a difficult life really the whole of his life he seems to have been dealing with adversity and challenges and difficulties and particularly tensions in his family and then the great bereavement of losing Joseph and then um, the fear of losing everything fear of losing Benjamin and now suddenly everything's back online and all the promises of God seem to be back on again thank you Sally good to see you and good to see you Alison and uh, he's and suddenly everything's back on. But there's this kind of concern, I'm sure, that is more than just a little nagging concern in the back of his mind. In this, is this actually God's will for me? And a decision like this, where you literally up sticks and move your whole family. It is jolly important to be sure we're hearing from God. Because we too are part of a narrative, a narrative of God's unfolding story with our family, with our own dynasty. And where we move to is significant and where we locate geographically is important. And it will make a difference, a massive difference on the outcomes for our families, for our children and so on. And so when we're considering career moves or considering opportunities opening up in a different region, it's really important that we can have that assurance from God um, that we're doing the right thing. Now, we may not get a vision quite as powerful and clear. I, I would love to have visions this clear and powerful as Jacob's getting here, but we can learn to navigate by the by our relationship with God through the Holy Spirit, where we know his assurance and his comfort and his encouragement to do something. And maybe somebody comes and brings a prophetic word that confirms it and we're like oh that's so helpful that really helps me and so um but Jacob has got this big decision but God's saying listen I'm don't be afraid to do it I'm coming with you now that is almost identical um to his promise to Moses many years later 400 years later or so when God says to Moses I want you to go to Egypt and and set my people free <laughs> because things have gone wrong for them down there. <coughs> Excuse me. I want you to go and set them free. And God, Moses says, oh boy, this is too difficult. And God says, listen, I'm going to come with you. And and he's saying the same thing to Jacob. So Jacob wasn't making a poor decision. He wasn't just responding out of necessity or convenience because the famine's kind of nipping at his heels and threatening his whole family. He could have said, well, I'm going to stay here and be a man of faith and tough it out. But actually, God was saying move. And there are times when staying is the right thing. God is saying stay and tough it out. And there are other times when he's saying move. And you can imagine at Jacob's age, he's he's 130 odd. And moving like this is a big trauma, isn't it? And a big deal. But God is saying, listen, when you go down to Egypt, not only am I going to be with you there, but I'm going to make you into a mighty nation, a great nation. So God is reaffirming his promises that he made to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob himself. But he's reaffirming that and saying, actually, part of this 
really important process is going to be you moving to Egypt. And yet the promise was very much about the land, wasn't it? You're going to inherit all of this land, every place your foot shall tread. God said to Abraham, I'm going to give it to you. I'm giving it to you. And now Jacob is leaving the land and he's shifting and he's relocating. And But he's heard from God and God is saying, listen, the, this nation that you are to become a significant part of your development will happen in Egypt. This is really interesting. Then Jacob set out from Beersheba. The sons of Israel carried Jacob, their father, their little ones and their wives in the wagons that Pharaoh had sent to carry him. He'd sent his best technology and made it available to them. Isn't that? I, I love that. When technology is serving the purposes of God and serving to advance the kingdom of God. So the innovations that God has permitted us to make on the earth. I love it when they're when they're kind of recruited to be part of the kingdom building process. Love that. And so we have technology now that we're using right now. Even I'm speaking over the Internet, aren't I? Which is just the most incredible thing, which when I was a kid, it didn't even exist. And I don't know if anyone even thought of it. And it's just amazing to be able to visually connect with people. And for them to see my face and for us to see each other, it's, it's just incredible. And to respond and all of that is brilliant. So anyway, this is this is Pharaoh's technology and Jacob. I don't even know whether Jacob and his crew had wagons. They certainly had donkeys and camels, but we don't know that they had wagons. But so here, here's this great innovation coming to carry the old boy, all that arduous journey down to Egypt and you can imagine oh my I'm sorry I'm getting carried away now but you can imagine as he's making this journey he's thinking I wonder what it was like for my son Joseph to make this journey chained up or tied up to um, a Midianite camel traders um, you know slave traders camel oh my anyway so off they go good morning Fliss and he took, verse 6, they took their livestock and their goods, which they had gained in the land of Canaan, and came to Egypt. Jacob and all his offspring with him, his sons, his sons, his sons and his sons' sons with him, his daughters and his sons' daughters, all his offspring he brought with him into Egypt. Now, these are the names of the descendants of Israel who came into Egypt, Jacob and his sons, Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, and the sons of Reuben, Hanok, Palu, Hezron, and Carmi. The sons of Simeon, Jemuel, Jamin, Ohad, Jakin, Zohar, and Shaul, <coughs> the son of a Canaanite woman, excuse me. The sons of Levi, Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. The sons of Judah, Ur, Onan, Shelah, Perez, and Zerah. But Ur and Onan died in the land of Canaan. We've had that story already. Um, and the sons of Perez were Hezron and Hamel. The sons of Issachar, Tola, Puva, Yob, and Zim Shimron. The sons of Zebulun, Sered, Elon, and Jahil, Jalil, rather. These are the sons of Leah, whom she bore to Jacob in Paddan Aram, together with his daughter Dinah. Altogether, his sons and daughters numbered 33. The sons of Gad, Ziphion, Hagi, Shuni, Esbon, Eri, Arodi, and Areli. The sons of Asher, Imna, Ishva, 
Ishvi, Beria, with Sarah, their sister, and the sons of Beria, Heber and Malkiel. These are the sons of Zilpah, whom, La- whom Laban gave to Leah, his daughter, and these she bore to Jacob, 16 persons. The sons of Rachel, that's a lot of kids, isn't it? 16, my goodness. Um, the sons of Rachel, Jacob's wife, Joseph and Benjamin. Um, yeah, oh, I think I might have exaggerated. But anyway, the sons of Rachel, Jacob's wife, Joseph and Benjamin, and Joseph in the land of Egypt were born Manasseh and Ephraim, whom Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, the priest of On, bore to him. And the sons of Benjamin, Bela, Betcher, Ashbel, Gera, Naaman, Ehi, Rosh, Muppim, Huppim, <laughs> Muppim, Muppim and Huppim, and Arad, Ard. <laughs> Sorry, Muppim, Huppim, and Ard. Great. These are the sons of Rachel who were born to Jacob, 14 persons in all. The son of Dan, Hushim, the sons of Naphtali, Gaz- Jazeel, Guni, Jezer, Shalem, Shilem. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> These are the sons of Bilhah, whom Laban gave to Rachel, his daughter, and these she bore to Jacob, seven persons in all. All the persons belonging to Jacob who came into Egypt, who were his own descendants, not including Jacob's sons' wives, were 66 persons in all. And the sons of Joseph, who were born to him in Egypt, were two. All the persons of the house of Jacob who came into Egypt were 70. So that's a lot of people going down. So this is Jacob who went, who left his home, didn't he? Running away from Esau and he didn't have anything. He came here with nothing. Now he's got a, a entourage of direct descendants of 70. Or I think that might be including him. Anyway, so he had sent Judah ahead of him to Joseph to show the way before him in Goshen, and they came to the land of Goshen. Then Joseph prepared his chariot and went up to meet Israel, his father, in Goshen. He presented himself to him and fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. You can imagine, can't you? Joseph, he's prepared, he's got his servants to prepare his chariot. He's got his best robe on. He's adjusted his headdress and he's got his charioteer already. And off they go, cantering across to the land to meet um, the old man, his father, who he hasn't seen for 20 years or so. And you can imagine that this moment, Jacob, the old man, bowed down with age and this man, this young man in his prime, dressed in all the regalia of a prince of Egypt, rolling up on this golden chariot, glistening, oh man, gleaming in the sun, and these horses prancing. Oh, it must have been incredible. An incredible day. Um, And so, but it's, it's beautiful because Joseph just falls on his old man's neck and hugs him and sobs his heart out and it's completely mutual. Jacob is 
sobbing his heart out over Joseph. And you can imagine both of them thinking, I never thought I'd see you again. I never thought this day would come. I'm sure he, Jacob would have held Joseph's face in his hands and looked into his eyes and cried again. And oh, my word, beautiful, beautiful moment. And Israel said to Joseph, now let me die since I have seen your face and know that you are still alive. Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up and tell Pharaoh and will say to him, my brothers and my father's household who were in the land of Canaan have come to me. And the men are shepherds for they have been keepers of livestock and they have brought their flocks and their herds and all that they have. And when Pharaoh calls you and says, what is your occupation? You shall say, your servants have been keepers of livestock from our youth even until now, both we and our fathers, in order that you may dwell in the land of Goshen, for every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. And just one thing, one thing to say, really. They, they, this beautiful recon, uh, reconnection has happened. This reunion, that's the word I was looking for. This beautiful reunion has happened. J Joseph has been reunited with his dad, his dad is overjoyed, can't believe it. Um, but now this whole family, painstakingly named and numbered, has migrated into Egypt, a foreign land. Now, in the Bible, prophetically, Egypt always represents the world. That is, the world, the culture, the, the values, the systems of this world out there. And it's a it's a bit of a hostile place, really, to the kingdom of God in the sense that they're they're different. They're on they're based on completely different values. And so these this family of Jacob, they represent God's chosen people. And in our kind of for us, it can be used to represent the church, God's chosen ones. And yet they're embedded in this culture, which is alien to the culture that they've been developing now they have not been perfect they've not exemplified a godly lifestyle really all the time and Judah and Reuben they've done some bad things in Simeon and Jacob was a bit of a twister as well and yet they are God's chosen ones that are going to become the family the the genetic family of the Messiah his son and in our day, there is an embedded, called out community called the church. And they're embedded. We are embedded in the world that is a, an alien, sometimes very hostile culture. And as we see the values of the world evolving and deteriorating around us, we realize how alien we actually are. And it's really important that there was this beautiful old song this world is not my home I'm just a passing through and we need to understand that we are sojourners on the earth just as Jacob was to be a sojourner now in Egypt with his family he was a temporary resident you and I are temporary residents on earth and our citizenship is in heaven our value system is in heaven our culture is in heaven we're here in the earth now and um, we're on stage and just as the shepherds and the Hebrews were an abomination to the Egyptians, the church 
is difficult and sometimes considered to be an abomination to the world. And the church wants to make itself all acceptable and try and fit in. And it's a mistake sometimes. We need to just accept that we're different. We stand for different values. We have a different reference point. Our citizenship is in heaven. We cannot expect this world to love us. And yet what happens in that situation where they are there in Egypt, initially they're greeted with favour and it goes really, really well. And we know the story as it progresses, they become more and more tyrannised by the culture around them and the people around them. As they grow, they become a threat. And the subsequent rulers of Egypt, pharaohs come who don't know Joseph have got no connection with him whatsoever and they can they are seriously threatened by the presence of the Hebrews in their land and so they they enslave them and oppress them. We are in those days now I believe where the church is a threat to the agenda of this world and our values are at odds with this world and people are beginning to feel increasingly uncomfortable about the church when the church is really doing its job. And so the church doesn't become what it's meant to be by trying to fit into the world, but we are conformed. Paul says, don't let this world squeeze you into its mould, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Our citizenship is in heaven our value system comes from there and we do not need to apologise for it or try and water it down or change it to get brownie points from the people around us. We just continue to love and do what we're called to do, but at the same time we retain and we hold fast to the values and our citizenship in heaven. And so even though this became a difficult place for the Israelites to live, it also, and here's the point, it also became the place where God went with them and God was supervising their development. And even though for 400 years we don't hear much about them, God was watching over that whole situation as it developed. They multiplied and grew to somewhere in the region of maybe 2 million people. And God made them into the nation of Israel whilst they were in slavery in Egypt. So we might get upset and we might find the persecution that comes, whether it's physical or ideological or social persecution. As it comes, we might find that difficult and it wears us out a bit. But actually, do you know what? God is watching over it. He's with us. He's given us his Holy Spirit, his daily presence, his own dear presence to cheer and to guide, like it says in that hymn. And he's watching over it and he's establishing something and he's making us into a holy nation. And so let's not get cross with God for letting us be stuck in this situation. Let us actually be pressing into God and saying, God, show me, show us the people we need to be. Let our values begin to shape the nation around us. Let our kingdom values begin to impact on our neighbours and friends in Jesus name. That is a bit of a ramble. I hope it makes sense. Listen, you guys have an amazing day and God bless you and keep you. Amen.
I am super excited to be able to recommend to you my book, The Christing. It's a whole adventure of digging deep into the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, exploring stories that may be familiar to us, but just seeing how the power and the beautiful, rich treasure of the Holy Spirit is there on every single page. And my desire as I share my own stories is that we would get caught up in that adventure together of a life pursuing the supernatural God where anything becomes possible when we're full of his Holy Spirit. And so my prayer for you as you read this book is that you'll get excited to embark on your own voyage of discovery with him but more than anything else, that you would fall more in love with Jesus. So please, if you have not got a copy, do buy one. You can get it online on all the major um, online bookstores, including Amazon, Eden, and others. You can buy it from Christian bookshops, or you can message me and get your own signed copy. There you go. But do like it and review it, because that really, really does help. Thank you so much.